The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Could you be in a toxic relationship and not even see the signs? This is far more common than you think. Today, on Tamar's Relationship Transformations, your host, author, and certified relationship coach, Tamar Neal, will expose the less talked about, but nonetheless, all-important aspects of unhealthy and abusive relationships. You'll learn how to avoid being in one or how to get out of one. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the host or the show. Now, here's Tamar Neal. Thank you for joining me today. Today, we are going to be breaking the silence of two former 911 operators. Many of you may not know, uh, but for many years, I was a Baltimore County 911 operator. And this critical position gave me the rare opportunity to listen to what went on in the privacy of countless homes while people were their most authentic self until the first responders arrived. For uh, many of you that may be familiar with me when I talk about the telltale traits and how to identify a toxic relationship or a toxic person, I talk about them being their authentic uh, self. And one of those ways, one of what this is a little difficult to not be authentic when you're stressed out. So that's when it, if you're around a person, when they're grieving or something's going on, you usually get to see the real deal. Because as we know, most people will introduce you to their representative on social media, at work or out in public. But if you ever want to meet the real person, try being a fly on the wall in their home during the heat of the moment when they don't think that other people are listening. For those of you, because I know some people are visual, a lot of women are visual. So for those of you who may need a visual, Imagine someone being in your home while you're walking around on a bad day with your hair all over the place without any makeup on and angry. (laughs) That's enough visual already, but I'm sure you kind of get the picture. Well, working in this very stressful position and being able to be that fly on on the wall, what I came to know was that people regardless of their age, ethnic group, social status, financial status, did some of the most unthinkable things to family members and the ones that they were supposed to love. This very demanding, stressful position, it actually changed my life forever. 
What I'm doing is I'm currently working on my new book, Baltimore County 911 Operator Breaks the Silence. And I would like to read to you a brief excerpt, which will be followed by a live interview with a former 911 operator from Connecticut. Um, the excerpt, excerpt, Baltimore 911 operator breaks the silence. I was in the middle of a very painful, unsolicited divorce that my youngest son was having a very difficult time comprehending. Just when I thought things could not get any worse, my teenager decided to show me that he was growing up and it soon became quite apparent there was absolutely nothing that I could do to stop him. Unexpectedly, as the sun shined on a hot summer day, I found myself feeling frozen in time as I watched my dream of the two-parent household with the white picket fence suddenly becoming a nightmare. As an emergency dispatcher with a pending divorce, the thought never far from the front of my mind of being a single parent with two sons now depending solely on me, an inflated mortgage, car note, and a dog was difficult because I could not stay home when I felt depressed and I could not afford to go to work distracted. One day against my better judgment, I went to work feeling angry, depressed, and hopeless. As I sat down in a dim lit room at the always cold console and plugged in my headset, within the first few hours at taking emergency calls, I was required to tell a terrified mother who just discovered her child hanging in the closet of her home not to cut him down. As I waited feeling hopeless with the petrified mother screaming on the other end of the line in a seemingly long time until the first responders arrived, I could not believe that I left for work upset because my son was growing up. Almost immediately following that call was the voice of an elderly caller who just woke up and discovered her life partner would no longer be in her life, not in this lifetime anyway. I suddenly came to the understanding that all marriages will eventually come to an unforeseen end, and there's no such thing as happily ever after. Although it seemed that the worst for calls had happened, I soon received a call that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Hurry up, he has a gun! And within seconds, hearing the shots fired, I quickly sent the call to dispatch and waited on the open line. I do not know what happened. And something inside of me tells me I do not want to know. By the end of this life-changing day at work, I found myself feeling excited to return to my soon-to-be single-parent household. The mere thought that I still had the opportunity to provide for my two not-perfect 
but precious sons made me feel special and undeserving as I thought about the woman who only wanted to cut her son that she found hanging down. Today, my children were both alive and well. I came to the realization that today is really all we have. After this rude awakening, I refused to spend another day of my life being healthy, alive, and ungrateful on this side of the earth. I learned to be grateful for the moment because it holds the opportunity for new beginnings. I know now that although my life was not going as I had planned, I still had the opportunity to hug my children, which were still alive and very huggable. If I choose to talk to my soon-to-be ex-husband, he's still able to hear me. I can now be grateful for the time that we spent together and happy that we can both move forward to the next chapter of our lives without death doing us part. I now know that sometimes what I think is enormous in my life is actually very insignificant compared to what's going on in the lives of others. There is always someone else out there that would trade what I thought was a bad day with me in a heartbeat just to have a heartbeat. This very rude awakening quickly turned my attitude about accepting life on life's terms into gratitude. If you are just joining us, you just missed an excerpt from my soon-to-be-released book, Veteran 911 Operator Breaks the Silence. So, with that being said, you know, I, I was hoping that when I wrote that, that the reader would be able to take something back with them. There's always someone else out there that would trade places in, an heart, in a heartbeat. You know, I... I think about that story and that position and uh, the young lady that's going to be joining us. I have a phenomenal um, 911 operator from Connecticut, and um, her name is Tasha. She's a former 911 operator from Connecticut. She's going to join us after the break, but she has the story of parental alienation, postpartum depression, and her transformation to a worthy cause. Uh, The young lady is a 38-year-old mother of four, and after being court-ordered to have visitation with her boys, she has gone without seeing her two boys for eight years. She has since become an advocate and unofficial spokesperson in the fight against parental alienation. In the thick of it all, Tasha was able to gain employment as a 911 operator and worked her position for two and a half years, but feel she was forced to resign. She was battling corruption from many avenues. And although with all of this corruption, her main goal now is to raise awareness about parental alienation, parental alienation syndrome. And her ordeal with the family court. So, you know, we have, um, I'm, I'm just so excited to have her 
on board. And as a matter of fact, I'm very grateful to have her because I, I she's she's raising awareness about a subject that although I've talked to several people who know people who have this situation going on in their lives, few, you know, you don't hear, you rarely hear anything about it. But this Young lady is now ready to shed light for the mothers who are suffering um, from uh, things such as postpartum depression and getting the help that they she f- feels that they need because she's ex- experienced a little bit of it all and she's turning it all into, she's jumping out there and she's turning what was something that was meant to break her into something that is going to just lift others up. So with that being said, we're going to bring her in. So I want you guys to get nice and comfortable and and get ready for her. Um, Remember, uh, if you missed a part of that excerpt that I read to you, because I believe there's a nugget in there for you, you can go um, you can actually listen to this podcast afterwards and, and pull that up. But we're going to take a quick break and come back with Tasha. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Build a better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A Neal.com. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Without further delay, I would like to introduce to you my guest, Tasha Baker. Hi, Tasha. Hi, Tamara. Thank you for having me on. How are you today? 
I'm great. Thank you for coming on. We're just honored to have you here today. Now, Tasha, I was deeply touched by your story, and I would like for you to share with our listeners your story and your cause. Well, you know, I like to tell people to understand my story. You must first understand my struggle. Um, I had my first child at 22. I had my second one at 26. Um, Control is a funny thing, Um, and I ended up marrying their father, and he, you know, was a bit on the controlling side, so that controlled how I dealt with my family and everything. And with my second child, I went through postpartum depression, which um, is a hard thing to go through when you don't have a decent support system. And I reached out to who I was allowed to reach out to, which which was pretty much only him. Um, And I was told that only white women suffer from postpartum depression, so I just want to put it out there that that's not true. If you can have a child, become pregnant, you can go through it, and please just reach out for help because it's not a good thing to go through by yourself. That was just my little side note. But um, I, I agree. After going through that and hearing that response from him, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to stay in a relationship. So I kind of pulled myself back from it, and I left the home. I did not leave my children. I left the home, and I would go back every morning, and I would get them ready for school and daycare, and I'd stick around if their father wasn't in the home. And if he was, I would leave, and I would come back, and I would get them ready for bed. I'd feed them dinner, give them a bath, put them to bed, and then I would leave once they fell asleep. And that was the that was the routine for a while until we finally left the, the home that we were both living in together. I did not know that um, things were being done behind the scene to trip me up with my children. You know, I'm just still trying to recover from the postpartum depression and spending as much time with them as I could and trying to keep myself sane. Wait a minute, Tasha, Tasha, I'm going to interrupt just for one minute. Okay, I want you to clarify for us when you say things were being done behind the scene, because for someone that may be going through this same situation, when you say things were being like things such as what behind the scene, so that they can... um, Their father had begun dating someone that just so happened to be a social worker. So the two of them worked together Um. They ended up putting my children in therapy with a therapist that I, that is linked with DCF and just behind my back, just telling people I'm crazy and I'm just not worthy to be a mother. So, you know, people would start to turn on me and I'm just not understanding why I'm getting this type of reception from people that know that, that knows the situation. Okay. Got you. Continue with your story. So we, uh, so we got divorced in November of 2007, and I was awarded three unsupervised visits a day. I mean, I'm sorry, a week. And that went on for a good month and a half until January of 2008, my mother's birthday to be exact, January 29th. Mm. My youngest child was three years old at the time, and he said both to myself and my mother that the person that was watching him, which just so happened to be a family member, was allowing him to play with her breasts, calling them chocolate chip cookies. So I decided to call DCF 
even though that they weren't living with me, I, I still had an obligation. And upon doing that, I had to reveal, you know, the story. And when we get to the end of it, the the intake operator, she sold for my call. She said, I just don't understand. Three-year-olds can't come up with that by themselves. But when she learned that their stepmother was a social worker, that story flipped, and I became the culprit. Mm. And I did not see my children again until Mother's Day, which in 2008, that was May 11th, which today is the, the date. That's <laughs> um, amazing. That. It sorry. is. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> Exactly. Is it exactly eight years? It is exactly is that, eight years today. 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 That's amazing. Yeah, Mother's Day was eighth Mother's Day. Um, mm. Well, it's so um, I didn't see them again until Mother's Day. And that's actually the last time that I physically laid eyes on my boys. People sneak me pictures and when they can. But, you know, <laughs> they were kept. They're being kept from myself as well as my entire family. And in the court system, it, it's, it's upsetting because they don't recognize parental alienation as child abuse. And I reached out to them so many times and trying to explain to them, you know, I've, I've watched you guys give drug addicts back their children. I just don't understand what it is that I've done. And the response to me was basically, well, because he said so. And I Really? As, that was their response. And I took it as because I went through postpartum depression and I didn't have money in the flashy clothes like him and his wife that, you know, I don't matter. And that's a sucky place to be in when you're already battling depression and then you're going through this extra added postpartum and when you just feel like that there's nobody there and you don't want to go to the people that you cut out of your life because your ex-husband wanted you all to himself. And now that I, you know, I needed all of these people, I felt like I couldn't turn to them. So I, I kind of, I spiraled, not to the point to where I caused harm to myself or to others, but, you know, just a little self, mental and emotional self-destruction. Right. And then in um, 2011, I was pregnant with my fourth child. I, I'm, I apologize, everyone. I have two more children. They're two beautiful little girls. And in January of 2011, which was my last court date, I was told that I was going to have to pay him child support. And I was like, okay, that's fine, as long as I can see my children. And the judge told me, you'll pay him child support until they turn 18, and you still won't see them. So I turned to her with respect and, well, Your Honor, if that's the case, then you can terminate my rights because you've already done it physically. I, you know, if, you, if I can do that, then I can try to move on because it's unfair to tell me that I am worthy enough to pay this man child support, but I'm not worthy enough to see my children when you haven't even told me why. And mm -hmm. I did start the process, and the lawyer did call him and his lawyer in, but the control part of him just could not go in and sign those papers, because if he would have signed those papers, that would have been cutting the control with me over me. So I took it off the table, and I still have joint custody of my children. I just need an attorney, which is, was a good thing when I started working at the police department. As a 911 operator, good money, I can save money, I can, you know, get a good a lawyer and I can reunite myself with my children and they can meet their sisters and new family members that have been born and hug their grandmother that they haven't been able to hug in mm. eight years. Um, tell, tell us about what happened when you... Um you, so you were able to obtain this job at the uh, at the nine one one center, 
and and what happened there because now now you can try to get your your attorney correct because it sounds it sounds like to me that you definitely needed one if you, your 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 rights were terminated without a basically they didn't give you an explanation is that what you're saying oh no i took the option of the terminate because I, I initiated that myself and when i called the lawyer to check on it she said you know i called him and his lawyer in and told them all they had to do was sign this paperwork and then you guys would go to probate court she said but they never came back so me knowing you know the narcissism and how deep it goes with him I, it, a light bulb goes off and i say well you know he's not going to sign the paperwork because if he signs the paperwork and we go to court and i terminate my rights he has no more control over me. I'm not going to keep fighting to go to court, and he and he doesn't get the opportunity to keep saying no. Hmm. His, you know, and that was his goal because I left him, and that's uh, there's a lot of people out there that I know, especially in the parental alienation groups, that's going through this. That because they decided to get a backbone and leave their abuser, be it mental, physical, emotional abuse, then they pay with not having their children. The, the co-parent had the money, they had the power, they know judges, they know lawyers, they know politicians, so they're able to get away with this. Because a lot of cases, you know, a lot of cases in the court system are pushed through, like, they're just the same and they're not. So, you know, him giving, him signing that paperwork and me giving up my rights would have been, okay, well, no more Tasha to be bothered with the boys, but he couldn't do that. Oh, no, he couldn't do that. And that became evident in April of 2014. You know, the, getting that job at 911 was such, I, I can't find, the, it, it was such a joy for me because I was, for all of these years, doubting myself. Even after having my two daughters, I was doubting myself as a person, as a mother, as a woman. You know, going through what I went through, was it my fault? Can I not take mm-hmm. care of my children? And I got that job at 911, that stressful but very rewarding job at 911. And I worked right. that from September 12, 2011 until April 4, 2014 with no problem. But when I walk into work, um, April 4, 2014, a co-worker met me at the door to tell me that the mayor of New Haven made him my boss. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Let's stop right there. Tasha, I want you to hold that thought. I mean, you have you just have so many um, dips and turns here and so many questions that I want to ask. But before we do that, what I want you to do, we're going to take a, a quick break. We're going to find out what went on in that 911 center when you walked in the door and there he was. Um, we're going to take that quick break. We come back. We're going to get into the whole, the, the, uh, I think once you walked in and, well, we'll, I'll let you go ahead with that, but, um, that's amazing. You finally get this job. So now you're ready to do your, your, uh, your, your thing to get your babies back, get an attorney. And are you telling us that you walked in at work and he was, there, working there as well? No, he wasn't physically there. Um, my coworker just told me that he was going to be starting the following Monday. So I literally had, because I worked from 4 to midnight, so I had the rest of my shift because I didn't go home. I stayed at work. 
and I had Saturday and I had Sunday to, you know, just let it all soak in. And it was like someone snatched a rug from under me. You know, when in the cartoons when you see them flipping, that's uh-huh. what I felt like, you know, on the inside. And okay. I still went to work. Hold it, Tasha. Hold it. When we come back, we're going to talk about what happened when you went to work and he was there. Okay? Okay. We're going to take a quick break. All right. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. Okay, we're talking to Tasha Baker. She's a 38-year-old mother of four, and after being court-ordered to have visitation with her boys, She has gone without seeing her two boys for eight years. She has since become an advocate and an unofficial spokesperson in the fight against parental alienation. And just before we went to commercial, uh, Tasha, you can take us back to where when you started working as a 911 operator and you came in and... I guess you could call it one of your worst nightmares that come true. Well, yeah, that that day was just horrible. You know, I, I had to wake up. I had to get my girls ready for the day. And I'm just absent-minded, and I, I'm in the shower, and I'm, I'm literally crying because I don't want to go to work, but I need that $23 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I get out, and I put my uniform on and I go to work and I didn't actually see him that day. He came in the room the next day, which I had actually booked off that day. I didn't see him again. I didn't see him for maybe a week. Um, He did come in the room and did not actually speak to me that time, but seeing him walk into 
what had been my job for two and a half years, my heart hit the hit the floor, and I just I, I felt so many emotions. I felt anger. I felt hatred. I felt sadness. I felt just jumbled up. It's mm-hmm. okay. I'm sorry. Um, Take your time. I had Take to remember. Time what he did, you know, without seeing him and going back and forth to court, I wasn't able to forget about my boys, but I was able to put them in a box and put them on a shelf and do what it is that I needed to do for myself and my girls. Now, how long had it been since you'd seen your boys then when you saw him, when he walked At that point, it was six years. Oh, my. Going on six years. Okay. Mm. Um, Well, almost six years, because the next month was, would have been um, the next month, May, six years. So almost six years at that point. Um, I had learned to get into a routine, and I would only speak about it with, you know, family members, and I would only post on Facebook, you know, on Mother's Day and their birthdays and just, you know, how much I miss them and I wish they were with me. But it was a con- with him being there, it was a constant reminder. You know, I had right. to hear the voice of the man that stood in the church the last time I, that I seen him to tell me that I would see them again, and I never did. I had to hear the voice of the man Telling my that told my mother that she could see her grandkids after her husband passed, and she's still waiting to be able to see them and spend time with them. She's run into them, mm. you know. She's run into my oldest more than the youngest, but you know, my oldest told her that he wasn't allowed to talk to her. So, mm-hmm. you know, just imagine how disheartening that is. But um, at work, it was hard. It immediately became divided. They either was on my side or they felt that they had to be on his side because, boy, if he could take your kids from you, imagine what he can do to you, do to me as far as my job goes. You know, I had people that was in support of me and had had my back. And, Tasha, if you ever go to court, I'll write you a character letter. You know, you can't work 911 and be crazy. But when he got there, it was, you know, Tasha, you know, you, you need to suck that up. As my deputy director told me to pull up my suck it up, pull up my big girl pants, come to work and do my job. That was something that I was beginning to hear on a regular basis. So not only am I picking up phones, not knowing whether or not there's a gunshot victim, uh, someone dead from a heart attack, or an, a baby that's not breathing on the other end. I'm also now dealing with this open wound that's now being ground in with salt and acid. Mm. Um, wow. It was it, it it was bad, and I I was fine. I I worked for a year under 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 those conditions, and um, eventually it just broke me to the point to where I could not force myself to get out of bed and get in the shower to go to work. I felt like if I did, something bad was going to happen, meaning I was going to flip out or I was going to storm out and quit, which is unprofessional. So I, you know, went to my doctors, and I talked to them, and she took, took me out on medical leave um, for severe anxiety. And then I started seeing a therapist, and I was in the middle of finding a PTSD therapist when I was forced to resign. So, you know, the whole insurance thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Tasha, let me, let me ask you this, because... Um there's just so many questions that we really need to ask that I believe that could help some of our listeners. You had quite a few things that you were diagnosed with. One of them was the post-traumatic stress disorder, correct? 
yes. and anxiety. Okay, so when you were diagnosed with that, what were some of your symptoms? Hearing his name, seeing his face set me over the edge. Um, I stopped sleeping, um, night sweats. Okay. My appetite became very off. Um, the mood swings was just bad. You know, I used to have them under control. Um, okay. The mood swings were bad. It, you know, I would contain myself at work and with my children, but everyone else, I, I just started shutting myself off from them because the ups and downs was, was horrible. The anxiety was bad. You know, I could never tell what was kicking in because everything just felt so jumbled up. When I told my therapist that I was starting to have, you know, night sweats and, I mean, cold sweats and, like, night terrors and I couldn't sleep, she said, okay, um, when does this come about? Now, basically the five days that I go to work. And in the first, within the first six months of him being there, sometimes, well, most of the time, the, the name Michael would just send me into a frenzy. You know, I didn't like to hear it before, but now it's okay. It it, it just it, it was bad. It's kind of hard to explain. It's just yeah. Well, I was always scared. Right. And well, like like most people that that suffer from post traumatic stress disorder, did you ever did you find yourself in a flight a fight or flight mode? Like, did you? There were times that I that I did. Not all uh-huh. the time, but. I want to say maybe 75% of the time it was, okay, either I sit here and I do this or I'm just going to have to leave. And there were, it would, it would be so hard because I'm sitting in 911. Right. You can't just get up and leave. And I'm literally biting my tongue like the night he came in and spoke to me. <laughs> he wow. came in, I was, I was on a call and he waited for me to get off the call and he tapped the console to make sure that I looked up, and he spoke to me. And people crack up when I say this, but it's true. I literally rolled my eyes so hard, I think I gave myself a headache. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. I I remember him saying in a meeting that he expected that he would like for us to be team players, and it's hard because I know that it's my job, but you can't ask me. You know, it became personal once he he came to the job because you can't ask me to be a team player. I've been asking you to be a team co-parent for the past six, seven years. So he would disrupt my zen when he would come in the room. Wow, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't focus. I, I couldn't imagine doing that job and having that type of distraction because I know for me, it was very important that I never brought home to work you know, occasionally I would take work home, but I could not. It was almost impossible for me to function as a 911 operator um, thinking about home. So, you know, I had to condition myself, like you said, to just take and, and put home on a little shelf regardless of what was going on at home. And I, I did have one, you know, a few times you're human, you slip up, you bring home to work. I had one incident where, um, and thank God it was a simple call. It was a hang-up call. 
I um, was upset with my kids and I left for work and I went to work and I got this call. It was a hang up call. So whenever you get this hang up call, you have to um, call them back. You, ha- you have to call them back. So I dialed that number and I said, this is Baltimore County 911. We just received a hang up call from this location. And I heard this voice say, Ma, and it was my son. I had called home. So, so I hung up and I, <laughs> but you know, you definitely, that's a job that you definitely can't take home to work with you. And I can't imagine having a piece of home or an ex or something like that, walking around in that type of position. So I can imagine that had to be really you know, it's it's like it, to, to put to to add that salt into the the injury. Was it ever times that he like came to work around the holidays and and mentioned the children or boy? Like we used to have bring your kids to work when I worked for for nine one one. They still have it now, but they have that day where you bring your children in. And um, so, did you ever experience any of that while he was he was there? Oh no, he you never. Know how people he never bring their kids to the job. What he would do, though, one time I remember, um, my days off were Wednesday and Thursday, so Friday was my Monday. And um, I walked in, I checked the detail, I see I was on 911, so I get all my things. I used to, you know, get comfortable, where I kick my feet up and add a blanket, cover myself, because like you said, it was always cold in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I set out my little station, and I look up, I'm like maybe 45 minutes into the shift, and I'm reading a book or doing something. I'm looking down, but then I look up and I see him walking over to, because fire dispatch was right on the other side of 911. Mm-hmm. I see him walking over with the fire dispatcher and pulling up a chair. So I said, okay, I'm not going to bug out. I'm just going to keep answering the phone, waving 911, da-da-da-da, into the call. And then he sits down and he plugs in and he says, oh, I'm going to train. And I'm thinking to myself, you had two days to do this. I wasn't here Wednesday. Or Thursday. Okay. Maybe he's not going to be here long. But then he's talking about life and family and children. And I just said, I'm not doing this to myself today. I'm not going to sit here to prove that I'm, that I'm stronger than Hulk for anyone. I text my friend. I said, I don't want to make a big production. Can you put my stuff up? Gave her the combination to my locker. I picked up my bag and my coat and I walked up to my supervisor, and I asked them to book me off, and I left work. I was there not even not even two hours. But the feeling of him sitting across from me, and I'm listening to you talk and discuss how good your life is, hmm. while you, I feel, sold your soul to the devil to make minds miserable. Wow. I just couldn't do it to myself that day. And I felt so, that- so weak when I walked out. But I gave myself that pep talk, and before I got home, I mean, I was angry, but I was actually proud of myself for leaving because I think if I would have stayed, it would have been bad. Oh, man. So that's that fight or flight mode. Tasha, with that being said, we have so much more to talk about, but we're going to take a quick um, break so that when we come back, we can really get into um, some of this uh, this other stuff is heartbreaking, but it's stuff that needs to be said. And, and I know you're going to help so many people with this, this show today. So we'll be right back.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We're talking to Tasha Baker here, and um, Tasha has a story that of uh, parental alienation, postpartum depression, and just so many different dips and turns. But Tasha, I wanted to, to ask you, um, you you were also di- diagnosed with postpartum depression, and um, you now offers support and shed major light for mothers suffering from postpartum depression, partum depression. What I want you to do now is tell us what your symptoms were when you, you know, discovered that you were going through this and offer some advice to the woman that may um, have the same issue now. I mean, I know the difference between postpartum depression and just being depressed is it was a little deeper for me. I just couldn't understand why my thoughts were all over the place, why I was feeling so sad and like weepy and I just couldn't Mm -hmm. understand it. You know, I just had a baby. It it kicked in when I was, when he was 10 months old and I didn't realize. And so the therapist told me that when you're weaning your child off of breastfeeding, that's, you know, usually it, it can kick in before then, but, you know, that's around the time. Because she asked me, are you, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm weaning him off of breastfeeding. She said, your hormones. 
mm. are all over the place. So um, there's really, I really can't say that I have a pinpoint for it. It's mm-hmm. um, if you already suffer from depression, then it'll be heightened. Um, if you're a little bit sadder or you, you're having thoughts that you don't usually have, mm-hmm. um, I would talk to someone. Oh, never, ever, ever feel like you can't reach out. Even if you feel like you can only reach out to someone that's a pastor, feel free to email me. Um, give, us your, give us that information now. Your email, email address is parentalalienationsucks at yahoo.com. Or you can um, go to my Give us Facebook that again. <laughs> Give us that again. <laughs> Parentalalienationsucks. As you see, At yahoo.com. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and my Facebook is Tasha. It's one word. I am my justice. Wilson. Um, inbox me if I need to give you my telephone number so that we can speak over the phone. A lot of bad things can come from postpartum depression. I ended up going through parental alienation because of it. Um, there are cases like, you, if any, everybody remembers Andrea Yates, she had postpartum psychosis. You know, she heard mm-hmm. those voices, but it leads up to that. Never, mm-hmm. ever, ever feel like that there's nobody there, even if you have to call 211. And talk to the operator. Good reach advice. out. Just reach out. That's, That's I, I can't say it. Any say it more again. Than that. Say it Just again. Reach out because right. just reach out. That's um, excellent advice. It's excellent advice. Now, one more thing. Something well, it's a few more things. Something else you had mentioned early on during the um, the, the beginning of the the, the story. Um, you mentioned about you really didn't want to reach out to family and friends because you had been because of the isolation that had taken place. You didn't want to go back to them now. And I, I talk about that in. in um, many of my relationship books, um, how people are early on in, a, in an abusive relationship, isolated by design of their abuser. Um, how, what was your isolated, isolation, pro, what was the isolation process like for you? I know for many of them, many women, um, their abuser will claim that they don't like any of their family, they don't like any of their friends, and, and they start picking everybody apart, and then before you know it, you don't have anyone. But um, what was it like for you? It was so subtle. It was subtle, and that's what made it hard to realize that that's what was going on. Um, he didn't like my best friend because, you know, she spoke her mind and didn't, so it was, she wasn't good for me because she doesn't want what's best for me, which in his mind, it was him. Um, my family, you know, like you said, he doesn't, he, he didn't like my family for whatever reason. So then I found myself not liking them, but I couldn't understand mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Why all of a sudden don't I want to talk to my best friend? Why all of a sudden don't I want to do this? Why don't I want to do that? or speak with this person or go here only when he said it was okay. Like I could go to see my best friend because I, I used to braid hair around 
you know, when money was low and he wanted me to, you know, see if I could go work in the shop. I do all 911 operators do that? Because I used to braid hair, too. <laughs> I think it's in the jeans. Is it a 911 thing or what? Do you, crochet, so. do you crochet because I crocheted in between 911 calls and that place was cold. I made a mini Afghans. So, <laughs> you know, and I was actually getting ready to start taking up knitting and crocheting. <laughs> I said, I need something to do, especially during the holdovers. I need something to do, but. Right, you know, right. All AT double hockey stick broke loose and. Um, Let me ask you this, Tasha, because I I don't want us to run out of time. We're quickly coming up on the hour. If if your children could hear you today on the show, uh, what would you like to say to them? I would like to tell them that none of this was their fault. I Mm. would like them to know that I've never stopped fighting and that I love them and that they have two beautiful sisters that can't wait to meet them. Hmm. and that I am very proud of whatever accomplishments that they have. Um, But I just want them to know first and foremost that this wasn't at all their fault. They didn't Hmm. do anything wrong. Wow, you just gave me the chills there. Tasha, uh, you're also working on starting um, a foundation, Children's First Family Matters. Um, in an effort to help alienated parents. Tell us about that. Well, it's for mothers. And see, a lot of people think that only, you know, mothers go through, well, only fathers go through it. Because the the usual thing is women will keep the children away from mothers. It's a parental thing, not a maternal, it's not maternal rights or paternal rights. It's parental rights. Mm -hmm. And the foundation is to help, like, like you said, alienated parents like myself, who I went out of work last March and my short-term disability was so iffy that I had to end up giving up my, well, I lost my apartment and I had to send my girls to live with their father because I didn't have anywhere to stay. So the foundation would be to help the parents that, okay, I fell behind because either I was for, you know, like myself forced to resign. I fell into a deep depression. Okay. Well, you know, here you go. Here's a couple of months of rent, a couple of months of mortgage. We can pay your light. We can pay your utilities. Or a, a mom that has no one else in her life, send her to a spa for a weekend. Or a dad that has no one in his life, no children, a significant other. Or even if well, they have a significant other, send him to a, I don't know, a campsite, fishing, whatever gotcha. it is that got well, look, him. that's a great cause. Before we run out of time, give us that address information again, how we can stay in contact with you, Tasha. This has really been wonderful, and I thank you so much for coming on. Please give us that information again. I don't want to run out of time on you. The email address is parentalalienationsucks at yahoo.com, and the website is iammyjustice.com. Okay, iammyjustice.com. Okay. All right, thank you again, Tasha, for joining us. Thank you for having me on. This this concludes this week's episode of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. Please be sure to tune in next week at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another life-changing episode of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations.
Thank you for tuning in to Tamar's Relationship Transformation. Please join host Tamar Neal again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here again next week.